Sky-high inflation, rising interest rates, a maybe recession. Oh, it's just the second financial crisis millennial women are facing in their lifetime. Everything's fine. Spoiler, everything was not fine. At The Skim, our mission is to help women live their smartest lives. And in this special mini-series, we're talking about living our smartest and best financial lives. Because in this economy, we can't afford not to. Welcome to In This Economy, a special mini-series from the Skim This team. Over the course of three episodes, we're gonna give you the tools you need to navigate what's going on right now, from budgeting in this economy, investing in this economy, and staying sane in this economy. Our experts will be giving you their best money tips and tricks, and we'll help you make the best decisions for your wallet. Thanks for listening to In This Economy and catch the next episode in your feed on Monday. All right, let's get into it. For our first episode, we're talking about budgeting. Because thanks to the elephant in the room, inflation, our budgets have already had to adjust a ton this year. Not to mention, inflation is just one of those things that feels really out of our control. Like, no, I am not responsible for the price of eggs or an iPhone. And so far, a lot of the budgeting for inflation advice has been around small tactics, like comparison shopping at the grocery store, or finally Venmo charging your sister for your family's Spotify account. And we'll say this, getting stricter about those things is important. But for a lot of us, we need to think bigger and more holistically about what we're spending so we can get our budgets to a more inflation-resistant place. So here to help us is Michelle Singletary, the personal finance columnist for The Washington Post. And before we take out our red pens and start making cuts, Singletary said, we can't take anything out of our budget until we understand what we're actually spending right now. I always sort of start with what's coming in. And it may sound so simple. There's so many apps and, and little gadgets and all kinds of things that people could use. But just get a pen, paper, notebook, simplify the process. Then write down what's your net pay. And then from that, start to subtract all the expenses that you have. Start with the major housing, transportation, food. And then the next section is going to be all those things that we like and we do and we forget about. And then to make sure that you haven't missed anything or that you're lying to yourself, pull your checking account statements, the ones where you pay your bills from, for the last 12 months. And you want to do it over 12 months as opposed to a couple of months because during the year, different things happen. Holidays, you know, maybe you've gone to a wedding. So it kind of can get your budget out of sync. And so you look back, take some highlighters and go through everything. Then you can start to look for the areas where you can cut. All right, she said it, not us. It's time to make some cuts. To do that, let's start by bucketing where our money is going into groups like essentials, debt, retirement and investing, and miscellaneous expenses, aka our iced coffee budget. The largest part of most people's budgets are essentials. This bucket includes the obvious line items like a place to live, 
food, healthcare, and utilities. So once you add up how much you're spending on the essentials, it's time to ask some tough questions out of the gate to see if you can reduce any of these expenses. Housing is the big one. If you can do something about that, you'll find more money. And that might mean you can't be in the apartment by yourself. If you are in an area where you still live with your parents or relatives, it might be saying, at least right now, while inflation is up, interest rates are up, you've got all the student loan debt. Can I do something to adjust my housing? And I always say just for season. It's not forever, but it's really the biggest part. And it's also the area that we don't like to talk about in America because to be on your own signifies independence. And that independence is connected to your self-esteem. However, living with someone, living with your parents does not mean that you are not an adult. doesn't mean that you failed. The reality is that if you live in an area where the housing is very expensive, that is where you're going to find the most money to cut. And it's just reality. But what if you can't just move in or move out of somewhere? Like, what if you own your home? Well, you still have options. Lenders are open to helping homeowners stay in their homes because they don't want to foreclose on that property. It costs them more, more paperwork, more issues, more headaches. And so talk to your lender. If your mortgage is unaffordable, is there some way that they can readjust your loan? So they might say, okay. Listen, for the last months, maybe you've been behind or you're just struggling. We'll give you a little pause. And then sometimes they'll take that amount that you're behind or that you can't pay and put it on the back of the loan. There are different things that they can do to help you. If you have a lender who's not willing to do that, it's like, nope. If you have a place that has extra room, you might have to bring in a roommate into your home. And finally, it could be that you just got into being a homeowner before you were ready. And with the market still pretty high, it might be time to sell and downsize or sell and rent for a little while until you can afford that mortgage payment. Now that we've tackled housing, let's talk utilities. In case you missed it, gas has been really pricey this year. And unfortunately, that means your electricity bill probably went up too. But Singletary let us in on a little secret. Those bills don't always have to be a guessing game of how high or low is this going to be. You can do something called budget billing. So throughout the year, your utilities kind of go up and down. Summer is up because of air condition. Winter is up because of heat. And then sort of, you know, fall, not so bad. And so in order to even out the cost, you can call your utility company and say, I want to be on budget building. And so basically, they'll look at your usage for the whole year and divide it up by 12. And so that every month it's predictable what your utility bill is going to be. And that really helps you budget better. Okay, now that we've evaluated our housing budget and whether or not that can even change and our utilities, it's time to talk about the last essential item on our list, food. Here's where we're going to have to make some choices about what food costs are actually essential to us and which ones aren't or can be reduced. And by the way, you don't have to eat the same thing for every meal or never go out to dinner or happy hour to reduce your budget. Food and eating with friends can still be enjoyable. It just might take a little more planning to get there. 
the one area people overspend is food and they don't even realize it. And I'm not talking about just eating out. When you go to the grocery store, it's almost as if you're thinking, well, I'm at the grocery store. Anything I spend here should be legit because it's the grocery store. But you go in without a list, without an agenda for the week. You don't have them plan your meals and you overspend on things that you think you need. And so you need to plan out your meals and then Make sure you have adjusted your grocery bill for your budget. And then, you know, eating out, um, particularly if you're a young adult. I mean, that's sort of culturally how you hang out with your friends. When I was much younger, one of the things I did was if I was going to go out because I wanted to hang out with my friends, I'd say to myself, okay, I'm not going to get a drink. I'm going to get a smaller entree because it's not about the food necessarily. It's about the company. So you can spend less while you're hanging with your friends by just looking at the menu and seeing what is the least expensive and then go home and eat a sandwich. (laughs) So that's budgeting for and saving on the essentials. After the break, we'll get into debt, retirement savings, and the fun stuff. Welcome back to In This Economy. Michelle Singletary just gave us some tips on how to reduce the cost of some big ticket budget items. And now it's time to talk about some of the other areas where our money is going, like debt payments and retirement. Let's rip the Band-Aid off and start with debt. Now that the Federal Reserve has started upping interest rates, the cost of borrowing money has gotten more expensive. So for a lot of people, paying off debt has become urgent because it'll really cost you if you don't. And as much as we don't want to think about it, We have to find strategies to pay off debt to take the pressure off our budgets. Earlier in this episode, we already talked about mortgages, aka secured debt, which is money you owe on a piece of property like a house. Now, we're going to focus specifically on revolving or unsecured debts, like money you owe for a line of credit or a credit card payment. These kinds of debts have become more problematic recently. In fact, according to one estimate, During the COVID-19 pandemic, 30% of U.S. adults increased their credit card debt. But before we start budgeting for a payment plan, Singletary told us the key to cracking debt involves closing out of the spreadsheet for a second and reflecting on your money habits and patterns. When it comes to credit card debt, I'm going to start a little differently than just right away for the advice. I'd like to ask people why you're in credit card debt. Because that's really where it starts. You can pay it off and then you'd be right back in credit card debt. So I want to change the habit completely. So there really are kind of two folks that are in credit card debt. Someone who maybe was in between jobs and was using credit cards or lost their job. Maybe they were moving and they put the the rent on there, you know, sort of to get them started. If it was a one-off incident, uh, maybe it's medical expenses. And it's not about your spending. It's just your circumstances. So that's one person. And then the second person, you know, you overspend, you know, credit cards make it easy to do that. And there's no judgment. It's just, that's how we are in the U.S. We use credit to supplement the income that we have. We have a lot of serial get out of debt folks. So you pay it off, get back in, pay it off, get back in. You never get any traction. So if that's you, I need you to really do some work on yourself so that you don't get back into this situation again. And that's very, very important 
when we talk about money, because we're really talking about developing habits that'll put you in a better position. Okay, so this is part budgeting advice, part therapy. Now let's get practical. If you're trying to pay off debt, the first step is just to list the debts you owe. You can make two lists, debts from the smallest to the largest dollar amount, and then the debts with lowest to highest interest rates. Some experts advise to pay off the highest interest debt first, but Singletary takes a different approach. I like the method of listing all your debts from the smallest to the largest, ignoring the interest rates. Now, if you're a math person, you're screaming right now, oh no, you got to go with the one with the high interest rate. But when it comes to money, it's about psychology more than anything else. What works on paper does not work in practice. So when you list, if you've got a couple of credit cards, you list the one with the smallest balance, and then you make the minimum payment on the other ones, and you attack the smallest one first, throwing all that extra money, having gone through your budget, and then you use that to pay the minimum plus whatever you can find. And what we found is, in my work, is that once that person gets rid of that one, there is like an aha moment, like, I can do this. And then they attack the next one and the next one. And they end up actually paying less in interest had they started the one with the highest interest rate. And the other way you're going to be able to do that is you've got to put the cards away. You can't be adding to it. You've got to co-turkey it with the credit cards. And P.S. Even if your finances are in good shape now and you don't have any debt, it's not a good idea to start to accumulate debt to ride out the storm of inflation. I need you guys to hate debt. Have a healthy hatred for debt. If you can't pay off that bill by the next billing cycle, then you shouldn't charge whatever you were about to put on that card. Okay, now that we've budgeted for past payments, let's think about the future and talk about our retirement and investing accounts. A lot of us have money that's leaving our paycheck every month to go straight into a retirement account or to an investment portfolio. But given how expensive everything is right now, some people have started to wonder if they should adjust how much they're contributing to free up room in their budget. If you are coming out of college or you're a college graduate or maybe didn't graduate, you still have the debt and you're young, I would say focus on getting rid of the debt first, even if it means not saving for retirement. With one caveat, if you work for an employer that offers a match for how much you put in, so like you put in 5%, they'll put in 5%, up to 5%. Put in that 5%, stop, use the rest of the money that you would have used for retirement to pay off the debt. I would say, please don't pull money out of your retirement if you can. Unless you've lost your job or you're in dire straits, please don't pull it out. Let that money be because it'll be better for you in the long run. Basically, the TLDR is unless things are unmanageably tight, leave your retirement contributions alone and find breathing room somewhere else in your budget instead. Speaking of breathing room, let's talk about our miscellaneous expenses. Yes, we're talking about Amazon late-night purchases. Yes, we're talking about Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, etc. And yes, we're talking about weddings and travel. Some of these purchases can be our most fun and fulfilling purchases we made all month. 
and others we don't even remember making. Cutting down your miscellaneous budget really comes down to knowing the difference between the two. Cross-country wedding for a couple you don't know that well? Maybe skip it and just send a gift. You see you're paying for Paramount Plus, and you don't remember why you signed up for it? That's gotta go. Random Apple Pay purchases? It's time to delete your credit card from your phone. And at the end of the day, if you're still having trouble getting these costs down, think about what sparks joy. And say sayonara to the rest. You have to be discerning about your time and where you're spending it, and that will help you cut your spending. What's the most important thing? When you get up and you have your good cup of coffee, which I'm not going to tell you to cut out, listen, if that good cup of java, wherever you get it, it's the thing that starts you off on your day and prevents you from slapping your coworker, I'm going to need you to get that coffee. However, <laughs> take your lunch. You know, you get to choose what's important to you. Really, it's about choice and what's important to you. That's how you get stuff off your budget. What is it that really makes a difference in your life? If that once a week happy hour with your girls or your boys is important to you, then bring your lunch every day instead of going out to lunch with colleagues who you really don't even want to hang out with, right? If sitting down on the weekend and watching your favorite program with your boo or your parent or your dog is the thing that helps your weekend, okay, keep that service, that show, cut out the rest. And don't worry about what you're missing. Okay, so now that we've gone through everything from living expenses to streaming services, how often should we be checking in with our budgets? Don't be so obsessive that you're looking at your bank account every day. That'll just drive you crazy. But I would say as often as you get paid. So when I get paid, I'm kind of looking at what went out. What did I do for the last week? What did I do for the last couple of weeks? And then readjust because you may need to readjust your budget. And then you have to give yourself grace. So if one week it was a really really hard week and you needed to hang out, you needed to go out to treat yourself, then you go, okay, that was an aberration. It was something that I needed. Let me get back on track. Go over it as often as you need to, if it's not in line. That might be every day. It might be once a week. It might be once a month, once a quarter. If you got this thing down pat, you might not need to look at it for you know several months. But if every month you're like, oh, I can't believe I had to pull from savings to cover my budget. That means that you need to look at your budget more often. Thanks to Singletary, we've now redone our budget from top to bottom. And we know this budgeting process can be exhausting and sometimes upsetting, especially when we're making bigger and tougher choices about what we're spending our time and money on. But creating a budget you can live with and one that takes into account how much things cost right now will help set you up for a stronger financial future, no matter what happens. Budget is not a bad word. When I do sessions or seminars and workshops, I'll ask people about budgeting, and you just hear this collective like, ugh. 
We just hate budgeting. We hate the concept of it. We hate it so much that we invent new ways to call it. We say spending plan or savings plan. It's all this negativity around budgeting. And I, as you can probably tell, I love budgeting. I love it. I love it like I love my man. (laughs) I get excited at seeing the numbers and I don't see it as a limitation. I don't see it limited to me. A budget doesn't just tell you what you can't do. It tells you what you can do. And if you budget well, you can do the things in life that are important to you. Like, for example, I don't tell people, you know, some people sit down and experts will say, cut this out, cut that out. If you notice, I didn't say that. What I said was, what's important to you? And then cut everything else out. And so budgeting is joyful. Approach it that way, that it will lay out a plan for your financial life. It will free up money to save for retirement so that, listen, you don't have to work into your 60s. It'll lay out a time when when you're ready to have children, you'll have the money in your budget for the child care or you've structured your budget so there's room in there for a child. And so that's how I look at budgeting. It's a joyful time for me because I can grasp the numbers. And if it's not working, I've done something or something happened. I say, okay, how can I refigure this? Money is all mental. Really, it's not about just the dollars and cents. It's like, how can I psych myself up to live my best life on the money that I'm earning? And that's pure happiness for me. Thanks for listening to this first episode of In This Economy. Next Monday, we're talking investing and navigating the wild ride of the stock market. Because unlike our cash flow after this exercise, things on Wall Street aren't exactly looking up. This episode was skimmed by me, Alex Carr, along with our producer, Will Livingston. Our senior audio engineer is Andrew Calloway, and this episode was engineered by Ko Takasugi Chernovin. A regular episode of Skim This will be back in your feed again on Thursday.